Does that involve sitting on balloons? It does involve sitting on balloons. It doesn't have to involve sitting on balloons, but for (laughs) me, it does. Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. Established in 2006 by Lynn McNeil and Will Monroe, The Beaver was an alternative dive bar queer space in the heart of Queen West, Toronto. In 2020, the bar's owners made the tough decision to close, knowing that they wouldn't be able to remain profitable with physical distancing rules in place because of COVID-19. I caught up with Pornographer, resident crustacean of Crust Nation, and pencil-thin mustachioed Prawn Waters to discuss performing to well-dressed loungy gays on dates, whatever they are, overcoming pea shyness, and what the bar meant to them. It was down the road from where I was living. And as soon as I moved to Toronto, I just really liked the beaver. It was just, it's like away from the gay village and it's full of weirdos and it's just crusty, wonderful little gay dive bar. Um, So I always just was really attracted to it and felt really comfortable there. I was happy to start performing there and I was even happier to start working there because I just got to be there all the time. (laughs) How long have you lived in Toronto? Roughly three years. Okay. And where had you moved from? So I am originally from a small town in Ontario, but as soon as I could leave, you know, when I was 17 or so, I left and I just kind of did a a touring life Mm -hmm. for a decade. Sometimes San Francisco, sometimes Vancouver, sometimes Berlin, just... I went around and performed. And so what made you want to settle? Yeah, um, I turned 30 and I had a little like, what does it all mean? I'm 30 moment and decided that there was all these things that while I'd been having a very cool existence moving around that I had not been achieving, like, you know, deeper relationships Mm. or being able to have performance troops or to produce shows and just all these things that are really hard to do from the road when you don't have a base. Mm -hmm. So Toronto felt like a weird choice and I didn't really want that to be my choice because I grew up near there. So it kind of seemed like a, you know, like as a weird queer kid from a small town, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to like go away, farther away seems, seems better. But then I came back and it just, it really clicked everything just kind of went really well for me here. And and so you like came back on like a holiday or just, just for a, a hangout and then it clicked or you actually chose to move and then it clicked? No, I, I, chose, to, I chose to move. I felt like I needed, I, I kind of tricked myself 
like, I was like, okay, maybe you're going to winter somewhere this year. You're going to stay for, for the winter. So I decided that Montreal and Toronto, I'd give them both two or three months each. So I did Montreal first and Montreal's cool, but it didn't really click for some reason. And then I got to Toronto and just, it, it worked better for me here. Mm-hmm. So because you grew up kind of nearby, do you have people that you know in Toronto or was it just starting afresh? Well, my mom lives in the town I grew up, which is pretty close by and we're close. And then I have a couple, a couple childhood friends, but not many that I have very much in common with at this point, Mm -hmm. though they are cool. Um, No, I mostly just started fresh. I just kind of got in there and did some local burlesque shows and made friends. Mm -hmm. So that's like a, yeah, really exciting kind of weird, isolating, but also thrilling time when you, when you do that, just start afresh in a new place. What do you remember of your first days in Toronto and especially in the burlesque scene? Mm. Well, my first burlesque show in Toronto was before I had actually officially moved back. Mm -hmm. I just come for a few months and there's a burlesque dancer, Dolly Berlin, who was running a weekly show at this bar, Cherry Colas called Sinful Sundays. And Dolly was just awesome and let me do a burlesque show without knowing anything about me. And I came and did my thing. And yeah, in that show, I, I made friends. I don't know. It was just, it was exciting. And you can, every time you move to a new place, you can sort of decide who you're going to be in that place. You can kind of be like the most updated version of yourself that you put forth into your new friendships. Mm. And that's, that's, it's great. It's a cool opportunity. Like, you know, in, in some of my older lives in different cities, I hadn't been out or I hadn't been out as a trans non-binary person, you know, I, or I'd been doing burlesque that was a little more like bread and butter kind of classical burlesque. And then I got here and was just like, nah, don't have time for any of that shit. You know, I am, I am playing this game where I'm going to be out of every single possible closet I could possibly be in. You know, am I hiding that I'm taking my clothes off on stage from anyone? We're not doing that anymore. Am I hiding my gender stuff? We're not doing that anymore. Just like everything. Am a weird prawn person. Here we go. (laughs) Well, so it kind of accelerated some of those things that may have happened anyway, if you were somewhere else, but because it was a clean slate, you got to just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes you move to a new place and you're like, okay, I have to make friends. Like how do I have to fit in to make it work? Mm-hmm. And this time it was different. Cause I was like, nah, fuck that. Fuck everything. This is what's happening you know, I'm going to just connect with people who work with this. Mm -hmm. So how does this scene then compare to other places that you've lived? I don't know. Like there's obviously drama. Every scene has drama. Um, I haven't been in much of that. I can't. What are we going to talk about then? No, I don't really like conflict. Um, But (laughs) I don't know. I, I found that the scene here and like the burlesque and drag scenes are kind of different, though they're starting to bleed into each other more. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it to be pretty full of kind of queer stoners. 
<laughs> and that might just be the the areas of it that I put myself in, you know, because I don't get a lot of gigs performing in the gay village occasionally. Um, mostly I find myself in niches of kind of weird art stuff, which is great. No shade on either of those choices, but I like making pretty bizarre stuff that doesn't always like align with the, the sexier clubs though. Mm. I think a rather sexy prawn. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, of course yeah. you're the sexiest prawn I know. Um, Thank you. <laughs> then, then so is the, like, I don't know anything about the village in, um, in Toronto. Is that kind of more cis, um, white m- men driven? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more cis white men driven for sure. Okay. There's a few spots that are that are challenging that and more inclusively booking. But a lot of places weren't booking drag kings and they were booking mostly white queens. Mm-hmm. It's not great. No, no, that's not fun. But the Beaver was a completely different place to that because it wasn't in the village. It was in the West End. Done my yeah. research. You can see it. You can tell. <laughs> done, done a quick Google search. Um, um, and and it was close to where you lived. So do you remember the first time you went there? I'm not sure exactly. I believe I went there with an out of town friend just for a dance night. I think we were just drunk and hanging out and you know reacquainting ourselves and. I was like, well, you're in town. We should we should go to the gay bar. There's a gay bar down the road. We'd go dancing. And so we just went there and, and danced all night until it was closed. And, you know, the dance floor got very silly and I don't know. <laughs> and what was it? So what was it about the place that you enjoyed? It it It's very unpretentious and it's just full of wonderful art. Like there's these great murals on the wall and I find everyone to be really friendly like you feel like family really fast there Hmm. so describe the space you've talked about the murals on the wall what were they what were they of so there is a beautiful mural on one of the main walls of the dance floor and it's just all black and white kind of psychedelic take on all these queer icons so there'll be like a leather daddy sniffing poppers and then beside Divine and Grace Jones and just really cool art. Um, so, yeah, so the venue. So when I walk in, what what do I see? So it's all kind of run down. And when you're when you see it on the street as you're approaching it, it just has this bee. It just has a bee kind of made of light bulbs, sort of in bisexual color lighting. Mm hmm. Uh, no actual sign, just this lit up B that sticks out. And I I don't know. I wasn't here when it opened in 2006. So I, I don't, I'm not as aware of what the area looked like. It's definitely gentrified now. So now it's kind of interesting, you know, for the last few years, because it's surrounded in like condos and wine bars and stuff. And then it just stands out, this little kind of cute shabby bee. Ah. And there will always be a crowd in front of just interesting weirdos and freaks and drag queens. I remember going there one time and I didn't even know if I was I was going to go in. I was just walking home 
And I walked by and I saw someone I knew and they jammed poppers in my face and I went in the door, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's so really being a really gay bar, gay bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back. So the, the, the first time you performed there, what was it? It was a show um, run by this wonderful drag thing performer named Tego. And they were throwing a show that was monthly called Bands and Drag. They would have two different bands and then a drag performer. So oh, I thought it was going to be a band night where they forced the band to dress in drag. Well, I mean, the bands were pretty queer as is. So, you know, they, they were in their, they're in their own drag. Um, but the bands that were playing the night I did it were called Quaker Parents and Quizelle. And Quizelle is so good. It's this um, just really melodic band with this Filipinx person lead who's gorgeous and has an amazing voice and Quaker parents was this kind of weird indie band and I loved it I was so happy it was exactly the music I wanted to hear that night and I'd been already doing prawn stuff for a while at that point but I'd, I'd made this that very day change to my repertoire where I received in the mail um, an inflatable rideable prawn <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, this doesn't really thematically fit into anything I'm doing. Nothing I'm prepared for has anything to do with this rideable prawn, but I just like wait, can't wait, wait, so, but but you you got it in the mail because you ordered it. I ordered yeah. Okay, I good. Ordered. <laughs> I, I mean I wish it was just a special <laughs> I was just the way you were talking about it, like, oh I got it in the mail and then I was like, How do I put this in my performance? And I was like, Didn't you think about that before you ordered it? Well, no, I, I mean, I think, I think when I ordered it, I was just on the internet looking for underwear with prawns on it. <laughs> and of course. <laughs> and then what popped up was this inflatable prawn that has been a joy. And it, it showed up and I was like, I need, I need to use this tonight. This is the night for this thing. So I just sent them some Beethoven music so I could make this like grand entrance. So I had symphony number no. five playing and I just, you know, rode down the street in this prawn. And and then I thought that, because the beaver's very narrow, it's just this very skinny, narrow, like it's very hard to get through the crowd when there's a crowd in there to get to the stage. And I was so worried that it was going to deflate or be awkward or no one would move. But like the sea like parted before me. And it was this wonderfully powerful moment. <laughs> and I just like rode through feeling amazing. And did some pony tricks and stuff with my new speed. <laughs> but so, okay, so let's picture this. You you were a prawn riding a prawn. Yeah, prawn riding a prawn. Okay. And then did like some little gallops and oh, what, yeah. other, what other horse tricks are there? <laughs> well, you know, some jumps. <laughs> <laughs> some yeah. little pony jumps. <laughs> And then, so how does so how does the drag culture work in um, in Canada? Do you collect tips like they do in America? Yes, it, we're we're trying. People understand tipping drag culture a little better in America, I think. Um, but it's something that is catching on better, and certainly people don't tip drag kings so much. Like we are really 
trying to encourage that to be a thing. Um, Because largely drag kings don't get paid as much as drag queens. And they don't get tipped as much as drag queens. So we are trying to change that. Doubly fucked then. Doubly fucked, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was going to ask, like, when when you're planning this act, when you're, like, uh, blowing up, your inflatable prawn and thinking about how you're going to perform do you also then think about how you're going to negotiate with the audience in order to get tips i mean that would be a good thing to be thinking (laughs) i honestly was so caught up in my joy of riding this prawn around that i i really didn't i didn't really think about how to receive money all that much. <laughs> and then eventually I shed my steed in the back and came out and did my, my regular drag number. Which is? Um, for that show, it was to the song from the Pink Flamingo soundtrack, um, Ooh, Ain't She Pretty? Um, and it's just this like little 60s pop tune. And Prawn just comes out and I sing it and then at this little I draw my mustache on because that's a big important part of being prawn John Waters mm-hmm. and for some reason in the middle I thought it was really important that I go and like take a martini glass and pee into it mm-hmm. uh, it just it seemed like the, the right thing to do for the bridge of the song yeah I'm with you so yeah that 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 happens um depending on the venue sometimes in somebody else's cup okay but so you know where i'm going with the questioning don't you do you you, are you actually peeing or do you have a bag Mm. um yeah no i'm gonna leave that a mystery oh Uh. Well, I was going to, I was going to talk about being pee shy. Now I can't. Mm. Okay. Well, let's get <laughs> talk about that. Cause actually I'm so pee shy. Oh, like really? So even, so how do you, wait. Okay. So I, so, <laughs> so I've gotten over my pee shyness. It took me like, it took me a number of years, but now I can go and like just pee anywhere and I'm cool with it. But Do you have a strategy? No, no. Like you don't sing happy birthday in your head or something? No. No, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, is that, are, are there ways that you can train yourself? Was I doing it wrong? Well, okay. I mean, in actual life, when I can't pee in front of people, um, I, I sing happy birthday in my head. <gasps> and when you say not pee in front of people, do you mean like if you know someone else is in a public toilet? No, like if I'm, you know, if I'm, going into a bathroom stall with another person or something and we're chatting and, and having a, like a friendship pee. Do you do that a lot? <laughs> I, I kind of, I guess so. At bars and clubs and stuff. But are they not like in your way? <laughs> I don't know. Like generally it's something the, like largely in life, it's been something that the other person's doing. Cause pee time is lo- like generally my private time a little more. But other people just don't care. Other people are like, yeah, 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 come in. We're, we're talking. And I'm like, all right, I don't care. Um, uh-huh. But for me, I have to kind of concentrate to be able to pee if someone's in the room. But OK, so I guess I won't be secretive. And I have a I have a, <laughs> like a, a, a penis that I wear that can pee. Oh, 
Because it's really important for me in prawn to be able, as a person that was not born with a penis, to be able to whip a penis out for peeing in the cup. Um, Because that's just visually pleasing, I think. And so I had to actually, I bought this this real ejaculating penis offline. And it, if you like push this little spring, it has this fake cum that comes out of it. But, um, I've never really used it for that. Maybe sometime, maybe tomorrow, who knows? But, um, what I did was I kind of, I bought some tubing and like duct tape and Jimmy wrote it to this bag in a hole in my pocket. Ah. And it actually didn't work. Most, most times I use it. It just equals, soaking my legs and <laughs> like I peed myself then just like carrying around an empty cup <laughs> I mean it, I mean it's still funny right yeah um, I think <laughs> but, but so like onto this ejaculating penis oh yeah does yeah, it so does it like come oh, does it come with cum like yeah it comes with cum but so then what happens when you run out of the cum I think you have to buy it I mean I'm crafty I think I could probably I don't know whip up some eggs or some you know like yeah. egg whites like what is it some- yeah what are the ingredients i wonder oh, I'm, I'm not actually sure what's actually in there probably not egg whites because <laughs> that sounds a bit nasty but um yeah i'm not sure the ingredients but it is a little tube of and it's called like real jizz or something because <laughs> <laughs> of course it is yeah yeah it's very very real and then, so does it have that um, instruction, you know, when you buy like new um, moisturizer or something, it says, make mm. sure you do a skin test. No. So what if you're alert? <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. What if, what if you're trying to do a, a face shot on a pal and, <laughs> <laughs> and then they have allergies? Oh, I don't know. I haven't I, tried. I feel like if we did a quick Google search of this, there would be someone who has done that. I probably maybe we should just not walk up to the void. <laughs> I'll fall. I'll fall into it and just be here for hours. <laughs> it's the what? the real the real ejaculating penis vortex. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm sure there's so many creative ways to use it. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's like um, homemade recipes as well. I probably I did I did a show at the beaver once um called foul friday and it was wait so wait we've just been talking about egg whites is this f-o-w-l or f-o-u-l f-o-w-l okay carry on yeah so it was is one of my favorite nights there um we just didn't have an event like something canceled a week before and we didn't have an event so the manager adam he was just like I don't know. Does anyone have any ideas of what to do on Friday? And the staff all agreed that it was a great idea to have this chicken theme night. <laughs> but but had you been putting forward the idea to have a prawn night? Um, no, <laughs> unfortunately. But I don't. Maybe if it didn't shut down, it could have happened. But this chicken night, it it was actually very fortuitous. It. Because there's a performer named Jord Camp, and me and Jord had both been booked to do a show at another club I work at, um, and we the th- the theme was like freak show or something. And we both showed up, and we both did these acts to do with 
like he had this act where somebody ejaculated into a wine glass and then he had a roast chicken and dumped it on the chicken and ate the chicken. It was wild. It was a wild act. And then I had this act where I was a clown and I was like, like doing fisting to a rubber chicken to Gordon Ramsay's voice. Mm -hmm. And so we both felt like we'd like covered an interesting area of queer sex with chickens though. Um, so we decided we should have a full night where we take these acts and combine them. And so we did. So I did my thing and then George came out and I laid an egg and George took the egg and whipped it up in front of me and I cried and, and then I went and dumped it into the real ejaculating penis so I could glaze this roast chicken with egg whites. I'm a vegetarian. It was a weird night. <laughs> I was about to just, yeah, like ask whether there any <laughs> outraged vegans in the audience. Well, yeah, no, there wasn't. I think that the thing about that night was it, it was strangely attended mostly by kind of like lovely, well-dressed, loungy gays on dates. <laughs> <laughs> Like so it, it, it wasn't your, like a weird what's, a audience. La- what's a loungy gay? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone was like, you know, coming to like sit and lounge and, you know, drink Cosmos or vodka sodas or crayons and, and just talk. Okay. Okay. You know, people weren't coming and being outrageous. And then that, I think that per- perhaps that act was weird for people. Um, and perhaps. we also put a lot of effort into, like we made hard boiled somewhat deviled eggs and put them on little trays with edible glitter and stuff. And we went around with these rubber chicken strap ons matching. And like we had all these outfit changes and we were feeding people eggs and we had little eggs and fortunes. And we just kept having this joke all night where we're like, we have to keep working while we're working. We got to keep working. And we're like, no one asked us. No one asked for this. No one asked us to do this. We're like volunteering right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, so you said that that was because of a, a cancellation and it was turned around really quickly. Is that the kind of speed with which you normally create your shows or? It depends. Um, sometimes like the birth of prawn waters took years. Um, it, it was just a funny joke in my head for years. And I kept talking about doing it and I kept trying to see if anyone thought it was funny. And everyone was like, nah, that's probably not a good direction for you to go with your career. <laughs> no, like nobody thought it was a good idea. Really? Like sometimes people would laugh, you know, and, and kind of appease me. Um, but ha, huh, he has done really well. <laughs> quite a bit so whatever but yeah I don't know sometimes it's you know you have a joke in your head for years and other times someone's like we got to do something in a few days let's be fetish chickens I, I don't know <laughs> it's it is a funny thing about the creative process isn't it like sometimes like so I, I'm the type of person that thrives with a deadline like if I'm just given free reign I'm like la 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 and then just don't end up doing anything so I need to be really like okay this is due here this is due here um and then it kind of forces me to to do the work but there is that thing as well of like sometimes uh something can just fester in your mind for a really long time yeah sorry I'm not trying to say that the prawn was festering just oh I mean (laughs) 
is faster. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some things that you just like bash out and you're like, yeah, that's good enough. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's really frustrating, but also magic. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes for those ideas that feel like they're festering, sometimes I'll have to make myself a due date to make them happen. Mm. Like with prawn waters, it, again, it was, you know, a lot of people say that you shouldn't talk to people about your, your creative ideas before you do them. Cause it kind of like, I don't know, maybe you like lose some of your spunk or something, but I talked all the time about how much I wanted to be John Waters prawn. And I, one day a producer was like, look, We'll book Prawn Waters. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> Would you we'll shut up them. already about Prawn Waters and just yeah, do it? Yeah, we'll book them next month, okay? And <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, yeah, Prawn Waters has a gig next month, okay? And and they were really excited about it. And it was for a show called um, Fuck Shit Up, Trans Non-Binary Cabaret um, that happens at a, a venue called the Gladstone, which is a couple buildings from the Beaver. And it's also a wonderful historical Toronto queer space. And yeah, I had like a month and it did wild having a month. I was so productive. Like I, 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 you know, I birthed this prawn and I made all these puppets and I, I sewed all this stuff. And, but I'm also, it was my first time doing lip syncing as a, as a performance versus doing circus strip tricks Mm -hmm. or stripping, which is what I'm generally used to. Mm -hmm. So I was so scared. I, you know, I, I was just like, if I, I had this feeling like if I wasn't doing something extremely naughty or I wasn't doing something with my body or I wasn't doing something with some kind of dangerous sideshow trick that no one would be interested, that I just like wouldn't be able to keep people interested just by going and performing as is. And it was, it was inaccurate, you know? It, it was just such a weird little fear. And I, I was like, you know, laying on the floor in this pile of these fish puppets of Divine and Edith Massey, you know, and just being like, I can't do this. I, I have to quit performing. I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I, why am I trying to leave my comfort zone? And it, it was great. I don't know. It was, it was, it's, it's helped all around for every character. But, and then did you, did you get like, so in your head that you were like, maybe I will just sit on some balloons whilst I'm dressed up as this, but (laughs) that's what people like. Well, I mean, I, I found that at first I would try and work too many props into my drag sets. Uh Like I'd need to have some kind of a like, ta-da thing. So like, some kind of bending over or some kind of trick or some, you know, I had too many props. Mm. And then I realized that these, these things just aren't necessary. You just go be entertaining. You Mm. go like work the crowd and it's fine. Yeah. So how long, how long have you been doing drag and why did you transition into drag? I've been doing drag. I've been officially doing drag for about a year and a half. And I've been doing burlesque for 11 years. Um, my burlesque sometimes was draglesque. Like, I'm I'm a non-binary person, so some of my burlesque characters would be more mask-presenting or would be more gender-bendy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. As the, as the years go by, again, 
for example, I, I used to think when I did burlesque, I had to look like pristine femme to be able to go on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on my 30th birthday, I was like, you know, armpit hair is sexy. No one's going to think armpit hair is sexy on feminized bodies. If people aren't going and having it and feeling sexy in it. Mm. So I was just like, that's fine. That's a gift for me. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not changing my body for who I think people are going to think I'm hot on stage. I don't know. That was mm. weird. But, but with drag, I always wanted to be doing drag and I, I was very confused about gender identity stuff and you know, my first kind of intros to drag, it was a a different time in the past. And, and there was a lot more voices saying, you know, you have to be this and you have to do this. You have to have facial hair. You have to be ultra masculine. And now the drag king scene has changed a lot and there's more gender performers and it's cool to be super masculine if you want, or super feminine, if you want, you know, there's just all kinds of different forms of drag performers mm. now mm. instead of having to be so pushed into the binary uh, okay so so you felt that it was too restrictive to game yeah. yeah yeah I felt I felt like the the tips I was being given weren't things that applied with who I wanted to be as a man mm-hmm. or who I am as a non-binary person yeah and I just I just didn't really feel that I fit into that situation. But now it's, it's just so much more vast and people are doing so many neat things and expressing themselves in such, I I think kind of more authentic, flashier ways for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so then back to this, this first performance, you'd made a ton of puppets, you'd made your costume, you did your <laughs> yeah. performance. Do you remember what the, other than like, I'm expecting you were shitting your pants beforehand what was it like? Oh, so good. Um, so I did, uh, I did a burlesque act first cause there was two sets. Mm-hmm. And so the first act I did, I did a burlesque act that I had done before. And, and then I went and I changed and I took my makeup off and contoured differently. And drew on that, that pencil mustache. And I looked in the mirror at myself wearing this full body prawn morph suit with these eyes and antenna sticking up over my head and a full suit. And, and I just like shook my head and was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This is ridiculous. Oh my God. And, and then the music started and it was Sam cook. Everybody likes to cha cha cha. And it was just a joy. The audience was so wonderful and excited. And there was, you know, I remember looking at this person that I never knew if this person liked me before. And the, and she was just like, mouths, I love you in the prawn. And I was just like, yeah, this, you know, this is fine. <laughs> There's, there is space in the community for this prawn here. <laughs> It wasn't until I became a prone that I realized she loved me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was it was such a great show. Like all the other performers were were wonderful. It was just a joy to prawn dance on that stage with my 
my divine and Edith Massey puppet fish. And it was, it was great. Do, like, do people always get that it's a John Waters reference? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Um, and, and some of that is, is like, some younger crowds and some older crowds just don't know John Waters and that's okay. Um, I, what I hope is that it's just entertaining enough as is to be a dancing crustacean, that it won't be a problem that they don't understand that I'm John Waters. (laughs) But I even, I, I, I spent all this time making a bio that was just making fish puns of every single John Waters title. <laughs> and I put so much work into it. And then I realized that so many people in every audience don't understand that I'm John Waters. So I just instead I just cut and pasted John Waters bio um, and with his name and everything. I didn't even change it to be my name. So when the person's reading it, they're like, John Waters was born in Baltimore, you know, cult, cult B filmmaker made hairspray and then I'll come out as a prawn. <laughs> and I made myself a little like I, I went and I recorded and edited and mixed a little intro for myself that I put before songs. And it's um, uh, it's a, a night talk show person whose name I cannot think of right now. And, and he's just announcing John Waters and talking about his mustache. And I'll put that. I'm really trying to drive it home. <laughs> well, yeah, because people in the back of the crowd might not see that pencil thin mustache. <laughs> you need to let them know it's there. Yeah. Yeah, no. You need to need to make that very, very clear <laughs> at the beginning of every act. <laughs> um, and, and a really important question that I have is, do you have backup prawn costumes in case something goes wrong? What would go wrong? Like in case it set on fire? Or in something? case it set on fire, in case someone stole it because they were Ooh. jealous of your... Oh my God. I'd be... And then you see them around town. <gasps> yes, just doing their grocery shopping and yeah, going by on the bus. And you're just this lowly human <laughs> who's going to come off sounding so petty trying to say that you are a real prawn and that that's your body. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, up until yesterday, I've only had one prawn costume and it is a morph suit and it is hot. It is like, you know, when it's summer and it's 30 degrees and everyone's dying of heat. And then you're wearing this full body morph suit Uh. with this prawn head and the antenna always poke me in the eye too, if I dance too hard. But, and then the funny thing about it is it has a full suit on top. So you can't move too much and you can't like do anything on your phone screen when your fingers are in a glove or a morph suit. (laughs) You always having to like sit there and lick your fingers so you can move your phone, which you definitely can't do during COVID era. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've just made this changeover and there's this wonderful drag performer, Lucinda, who has sewn me a new prawn head and it is vinyl and sexy and I am so excited to use it. (gasps) Ah. Yeah. And like, you don't think your fans are going to mind? Well, I like to hope that (laughs) they will support me in having a sexy fetish prawn hat (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and this is so the suit thing. I just want to like this. Uh, this is probably not an important thing for me to say, but mm. I feel like I want to say it anyway. If drag kings were getting the same amount of tips as drag queens, okay, I would definitely prefer to be a drag king because you've got all those pockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. So when you're dancing burlesque, you wear really strappy things. And you often have thigh highs, so you can still you can still tuck money places. I mean, I guess when I'm wearing a suit, I can tuck money in my pockets, which is cool. And then it's in one place. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, I'm just um, rabbiting on about that. Um, <laughs> so where were we? We were talking about the chicken night. That's the last oh. time we were in the Beaver, right? That was the last show I threw at the Beaver or helped throw. Ah. And so we've just found out um, that it's closed. It is closed, it's, it's yeah. Not going to reopen. What was that like finding out? And how did you find out? Well, I mean, I don't know. It was discussion of it closing had been happening for a little while. And it wasn't what anyone wanted. Like the, the staff really care about the space. Um, but then COVID happened And we closed on, I believe, like March 14th or 15th. And yeah, it just, it it wasn't feasible for us to be able to open up again. We're just, we're too little and we just weren't able to afford to open using any of the guidelines that the government has for safety, which is, you know, we, we of course care about everyone's safety and wanted that, but we just couldn't. We didn't, we didn't have a kitchen anymore. You know, we couldn't serve food. There, there really wasn't any hustles that we could use to save the space. Mm. But also, um, there are staff members who would like to have sort of a new version, an updated version opening in a bigger space where there's a little, a little more room to, you know, have, have a little bit more of a formal stage and sound system and, you know, display all the awesome DJs and drag performers mm. in a, a little bit of an updated way. So that that may happen if if the right spot opened up. Mm. Um, and and but so so the conversations had been happening for a while. So how did you how did like how did you find out that? It- I thought that we might reopen for a little while, but. We couldn't, and that's all right. I think I think that's okay. I I knew that we were going to close for a while, um, but when we actually made it public and the post went viral, I was really sad about that. Mm. Like I had to have a little a little grieving about that because, you know, it's just a space, and and what makes it is the community that's there, and it has a really tight knit community. But also, spaces are also, you know, has all these kind of memory ghosts in it. You know, it's like I think for a lot of people um, who who have been going there since it was opened, the space has a lot of ghosts of Will Monroe, who, you know, passed on of brain cancer in 2010, I believe. And so for a lot of Will's friends and people who love Will, like the space held a lot of importance for them as sort of a memorial of the dream that he had. And then for other, you know, passed on drag performers, like lots of, you know, lots of people have 
a lot of important memories and ghosts there. I have a shorter amount of memories and ghosts there, but I really, you know, it's kind of like a second home to me for sure. Mm. I really cared about all the staff and really loved all the people that came in and the shows. When I started working there, I kind of had this feeling like this is exactly, you know, when I started bartending, um, in my head, that was exactly the kind of spot I wanted to be bartending at. Mm-hmm. So it was just a joy to be working there. Mm. And what do you think Toronto has lost? Oh, I think they're losing all their historical queer spaces. I And I mean, not just because of COVID, like COVID for sure, but also just because of gentrification. Mm-hmm. It's an expensive city. It's getting more expensive all the time. Um So, you know, when the Beaver was built, it was a different neighborhood. And now it is a neighborhood surrounded by condos and wine bars. And, you know, it's changing. And I I don't know, I think it's really important to take care of our historical queer spaces like the Gladstone and like the Beaver. It, It does a lot for our communities. It's been an important space for a lot of people. But hopefully in that not being able to be the case at this time, you know, we can go on to create something new with, you know, a revamped, inclusive, new queer energy. Did you ever go to the Beaver? Well, if you did, tell me all about it. Find me on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, and all the others with the username KAndersonMusic and tell me what you got up to. Share any photos or tell me the stories um, that made that place so special. You can also find out more about Prawn Waters and watch the video of the prawn riding the prawn galloping by following them on Instagram. Username is The Prawn Waters. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I've been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the coming year. You can hear the first single, Well Groomed Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told other people who you think may dig it. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.